It's my podcast. Change, change, change. Of course we're talking about change. Of course. Why not? So, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, too. Here's my podcast. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's your host and founder, Andre Anderson from BSTL. Uh, my website is bstl.ca. So glad to have you all back with me. Uh, for those of you that would like to listen to some of the previous podcasts, you can find me on Amazon Music. Uh, you can find me on Spotify, and you can find me also on RSS. So um, today we want to jump into a conversation. I hope you don't mind, even though BSTL, we often focus on leadership and mentorship and relationships. We're going to do a little bit of that uh, today, but we're going to be talking about Father's Day. Yesterday was Father's Day. And so I want to make sure that we have a conversation about it. Um, Sometimes we shy away from it, uh, often because as men, we don't really talk about Uh, the emotional side and some of the pressures that society puts on uh, men, especially dealing with Father's Day. But I thought today we would just have a little conversation and I would share a little bit about my experience, not just with yesterday, but also as being um, a father. So the the reality is I got a bunch of kids, um, (laughs) got a couple of girls, and I got a son, right? So the reality is I am well into uh, this fathering thing. And let me just say this, it's uh, it's not an easy thing, um, but it is a thing that I think those that want to do it, when you go through it and you experience it, um, being a father is probably one of the best um, experiences that you can have. Now, let me also give you a disclaimer. Um, I find that whenever we talk about fathers, and of course, we're, we're reflecting a little bit on Father's Day, we often talk about um, fathers in relationship to or in connection to daughters. So you have a lot of narratives out there where fathers are talking about the importance of being your daughter's first girl, uh, boyfriend, whatever, you know, all of that other stuff. And I agree with that. I don't disagree with it. Um, But I don't know that we talk enough about fathers and their sons. So on this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about my experience with my son as it relates to yesterday, but maybe a little bit more about what happens in general. I think it's important because I think as a man, as a black man, as a black father, uh, we have to put some of these stories out there. And let me also say this. I'm also not suggesting that because of the way that I tell the story today that I'm a perfect dad, um, but there's one thing that I know for certain that I am a present father. And so anyways, um, yesterday, um, the way I like it, it's a very quiet day. Um, Those that know me know that I'm not really one that's into celebrations and streamers and whatever. Uh, The nature of the work that I do, uh, I'm constantly around people. I'm constantly counseling, constantly speaking. And so the reality is I do enjoy moments where I can just be and not have the um, the pressure of being on. So anyways, um, my kids are young still. So, you know, they're still getting into this, uh, you know, cooking thing. And so even though they know how to make eggs and those kinds of things, I don't know that I want to trust them with a meal that's going to depend on my life and or death. So I asked them, Hey, what do you guys want to do? You know, they're like, look, we wouldn't mind having some Aki and saltfish and dumpling. So let me just say this. If you don't know already, my roots are 
uh, Jamaican. And so Akian Sawfish is a big deal uh, in my community. I love a Akian Sawfish, love a dumpling. Oh, I love it all. So anyways, I make it for them and uh, we eat some Akian Sawfish and dumpling. And you know what? It did put a little bit of a smile on my face uh, after I finished eating it. You know, those of us that are parents, you know that the buzzards, sorry, the, 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 the vultures, they don't come around when you're cooking. It's almost like their noses have timers. So they just know when to show up and, you know, when they show up, they're ready to eat. So after I finished making it out of nowhere, they just emerge. And, you know, I fed them some, 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 Aki and sawfish, and, and it was really cool. But after we finished um, uh, eating this this Jamaican thing, this Jamaican culinary thing, <laughs> um, everybody kind of goes off and they are doing uh, their own things. My daughter's there on their tablets. Uh, my son, he's on his tablet. And I go downstairs into my little man cave, my little man uh, dungeon. I got a little TV there and a couch. And it's just real peaceful for me. So what happens is now, um, after I've been sitting there for a while, my, my son comes downstairs, and what I didn't know is that after he had finished eating, he went upstairs to go and make um, some paper swords in his mind's eye. I guess he was like, look, now that we've eaten, Daddy, I'm going to take you out. And we, we fight a lot. And when I say fight, I don't mean we disagree a lot. I just mean that we have fun in different kinds of ways. So as he's now descending and coming down the stairs to come and hang out with me, um, he gives me the sword and we fight for a little bit. And I'm like looking at the time. So I'm like, okay, maybe you can have an early shower and then just relax, whatever, before we eat dinner, et cetera, et cetera. So he goes, he showers, he comes back. And when he comes back, the truth is I'm not really acknowledging that he's returned, not because I'm ignoring him, but the nature of how he and I are. And again, this podcast is more Uh, focusing on fathers and sons. So I don't want anybody to believe that I don't love my daughters or that they're not significant, but maybe in the future, I'll talk about some of those interactions, but this one is about my son and myself. So as he descends and he now comes and he sits down, I got this little throw blanket over my legs. I like to be comfortable. You know, the basement's a little bit cooler uh, and I'm watching some sermons, right? So I like sermons. People like music. People like podcasts. I like to see what people have to say about God. You know, that's my thing. I really do enjoy it. But somewhere in between me watching uh, these uh, sermons, I'm just kind of glancing through a few of them. I realize not only that he's returned, like I'm really internalizing it and I'm aware of his presence now. I also realize that he's like some way and somehow like tucked his legs underneath my leg, you know? And for those of you that might think that this is a little bit weird, can I just say this? Uh, Most times we're socialized into believing that that's something that daughters do, okay? Daughters are the ones that generally are going to be the ones that will sit um, underneath you and they will put their legs on you and put their heads on your shoulder and lean on you and lie in your lap. I mean, those are things that we normally attribute to fathers and daughters. But when my son sat down yesterday, and I don't know if this is the first time that I've really um, taken it in, or maybe I just took it in yesterday, feeling him not only sit with me, but put his legs underneath me, uh, it just felt different. And when I say different, it just felt like, wow, uh, my son is communicating 
that he is multi-dimensional. And when I say multi-dimensional, again, we often attribute some things to girls, women, uh, that we don't always subscribe to men. But my son in that moment, naturally, he was, he, I think he was trying to communicate that, number one, I want to be near you, dad. But I think he was also communicating, dad, I want to be near you and I want to feel your personal touch. I mean, the, the chair's big enough. He could have laid there uh, on his tablet and he didn't need to put his foot underneath me. He didn't need to be that close. Uh, he also had his own blanket. But I think he was trying to uh, communicate something to me. And when he did that, I got to be honest with you, uh, the moment was a little bit overwhelming. And when I say overwhelming, um, you have to understand that to get to a point where, you know, your son wants to be with you in that kind of way, it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of moments, you know. So because he's the only boy in this family, um, I've had the privilege of being with him and around him for many years. When he was young, uh, because none of them went to uh, daycare, you know, my job affords me to take him around with me to my job. Uh, if I don't need to go and visit people, the work that I do, I've, I've had an opportunity since he was six months old to really be with him um, for like hours, days. You know, we would just be together because that was the makeup of how our um, house was running. So when he sits there with me and he's got his leg underneath there and he's not really saying anything, but he's into his tablet, but we're both spending some time. I just thought to myself, I wonder why it is that we don't foster these kinds of interactions between fathers and sons. Like, you know, when we look in the movies, we often see this kind of exchange of emotions and feelings and love and the communication of feelings and we relegate it over to um, husbands and wives we relegate it over to daughters and their fathers but there's not a lot of 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 public display of affection where I think that fathers and their sons are able to just communicate love in a way that looks very quote-unquote feminine so then when this is happening now, as he's sitting there, it, 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 it causes me to reflect. And here's what I begin to reflect on. So um, just about a year ago, my grandfather passed away, and I, I really do miss him a lot. I don't talk about it a lot. I internalize it. I miss him a lot. Um, he lived to be 100, but even after 100 years, based on the nature of our relationship, it just was just tough. And it is tough, even sharing this with you. It's part of my more um, intimate side. And so when I think about my, my, my grandfather and the nature of the relationship that we had when he moved here um, from Jamaica, as a young child, um, he spent a lot of time with me. Um, when he first moved to Canada from Jamaica, he lived with my family um, for a little bit. And even though he moved out and started his own life, um, he would be over at that house um, often. As a matter of fact, at least three times a week, he would come and look for me after kindergarten. In those days, kindergarten was half a day. And so he would come and he would get me and we would just ride that train together. We would take, uh, those of you that are from Toronto, we would take the Kipling 45 to the Kipling station and we would take the train, the Bloor uh, train, all the way downtown to Bathurst station. And sometimes he would take me to a place called Honest Ed's or he would take me to restaurants, McDonald's and 
uh, when he was really in his feelings and maybe missing home a little bit, he'd take me to uh, the patty shop that was located in the train station and he would give me a patty and cocoa bread and a cream soda. And I remember we didn't necessarily talk a whole lot, right? He wasn't talkative. He would he would say things. He would give me these little oracles of wisdom and then he wouldn't say anything. And we would just be sitting there with each other, staring into each other's eyes. And he would put his arms around me and I would lean into him. And sometimes the safety that I would feel there, I would fall asleep and then just wake up when it was almost time to either get off the train or get off the bus. I, I, I remember it almost like it was yesterday. And maybe the thing that I'm saying to you is, is that his presence has just lingered with me. Uh, I think he set the tone and set the, the stage for the importance of just being present. Uh, so yes, he gave presence, but his presence was so much more um, important. And of course, I was also blessed and still am blessed. I had my dad. Um, we grew up um, with my parents in the same home. And uh, with my father, he wasn't necessarily the one that would take me on the train uh, downtown. His his thing was different. Um, he was the one that would have injected into me uh, the importance of being an entrepreneur. As a young child, I watched my 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 father build from the ground up um, a, a housefront business. That's what I want to call it because he did it out of the house. He he would bake bread and bun, and he had his customers that he developed from scratch, and he would deliver these breads and buns on the weekends, on, on, on Sundays, he and I, we would literally be gone for six hours and we would drive from the east side of the city all the way to the west end of the city and everywhere in between. And he had all of these different customers. And maybe because I was the only boy and the last one, the lot fell on me to kind of keep his company. And we would go and sometimes I didn't really want to go, but I'm glad that I did. Um, because that was my first experience around what it looks like to build um, a business. And after we would finish going out on these deliveries, he would show me how much money he made. And I'd be like, wow, you made all of that money from selling bread and bun? <laughs> it was just interesting because normally you think about, you know, businesses like the mall, you know, the convenience stores. But here my father was downloading into me the importance of also being your own boss. And so while we would travel and do these things almost every single weekend, we didn't talk a lot, but I enjoyed the time and I would watch him driving and I loved watching how he would navigate the wheel of the vehicle. And we used to listen to the radio station and baseball games and hockey games. And at the end of every one of our outings, he would take me to Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday, a two-piece chicken with fries and coleslaw and a Sprite, and we would just laugh and we would smile and we would take our, 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 our time on our way home and just enjoy the moment of the spoils that we had made. And it was just really cool. And so now that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father, I'm beginning to understand why it is that being present has become so important to me not just in my daughter's lives, but mostly for my son, because I, I, I guess I'm, I'm now beginning to understand that you really have to, as a man, spend time with your sons. And I promise you, this podcast is not trying to indict those uh, that for many reasons may not be around, but I, I just think that it's, 
it's so important that we do do that because I think that our sons, they are learning about male love through fathers. Now, let me put the disclaimer uh, because I know that there are some men who have children that are out there and you have not had access to your sons, to your daughters for lots of different reasons. So this podcast isn't going to be able to unpack all things as to why men are not able to be with their children, especially when they're no longer in the same space and in the same home. But for those that do have that opportunity and are afforded the opportunity of being able to be around your kids, maybe what I'm saying is some of the stuff that we make as being important in their early development, we've just got to be there. So the reason being is, if I'm not around my son as often as I am, I don't know that he would want to put his legs underneath my legs. That level of intimacy comes from me working on sermons and having him in my lap. I'm having his head in my lap, his feet on my lap while I'm trying to finish off a sermon uh, for Sabbath morning or while I'm in a meeting over the phone and he wants to be on me and I can't have him screaming. So I've been able to have these experiences that many men don't have, but I want to share it uh, because I think that we've relegated so much of um, parenting from mothers to sons that we don't actually see that I think that it's really important that sons have their dads in the same kind of emotional kind of way. So here's the thing. Uh, Not too long ago, um, I had the privilege of facilitating a men's group um, on Zoom. We didn't get to meet in person. It was during the pandemic. And it, it, it was one of those moments where I think that I just needed to hear a lot of what the men were saying about their interactions. So coming to the end of this, this men's group, um, we really had a breakout session. You know, like when you, when you facilitate these seminars, um, sometimes it's hit and sometimes it's a miss. And sometimes you're like, whoa, does anybody even hear me? <laughs> uh, but for this one particular um, session that we had, it was like the second to last or the last one, we were just talking about the importance of fathers. And it was just mind-blowing because as I was listening to these men as we went around the table and we began to talk about the male exchange and the importance of fathers, and it wasn't just black men that were on this, um, this, this group that I was facilitating, this men's group. There were men that were from all over the world, as it were, primarily based in Canada, but different ethnicities. And when I listened to the men sharing out of their brokenness and out of the things that they had lost, and some uh, men didn't get to grow up with their fathers, Um, some men, their fathers were deceased, there was this common thread that kept coming up. And that common thread was that my father was substantial to me. There was one guy uh, in particular, and as he was sharing his story, his father is deceased. He just talked about not having the ability of sharing all that he had become because his father was deceased. And I just thought to myself, after all of these years, because he was an older man, him sharing the loss of his father and his father not being able to see what he had become, 
and he's very successful, it, it still was a big deal. And then there was another guy, he was sharing his experience uh, coming from a, a, a broken type of home. And he was just highlighting the fact that for everything that he didn't get, he wanted to be that type of male um, presence for his siblings who were younger than him. And, and, and it, it almost got me thinking to myself, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're a little bit wrong. Uh, and I'm not saying that mothers are not important. I think mothers are essential uh, to the development of children. But I wonder here in the Western world if we're teaching this thing the wrong way. I think one of the messagings that we often do in television, on commercials, we, we kind of paint um, this parenting thing as if fathers are not as essential, as if fathers are not as necessary. And as a result, I think some men, we back off because the culture says we need to be out hunting and killing and gathering and bringing home and putting the lights on and keeping the roof over uh, the, the heads of our family, over the heads of our children. But I wonder if maybe we've got it wrong. And maybe this men's group that I had the privilege of facilitating, maybe I learned a new thing. And that is that while there, it is true that there is nothing like a mother's love, maybe it's also true that there's nothing like a father's love. In this one particular session that I'm referencing, there were tears that were said or, or, or spilt in that setting. And they were spilt because there just seems to be this unresolved tension that's there between fathers and their sons, whereby it just seems like there's not enough time and not enough love to glean from the male experience. And maybe what I'm saying is, as my son is sitting there with his legs underneath my legs, and maybe now that I'm reflecting, having gone through this with him, maybe I now understand that my job, not the only job I have, but maybe a, a large portion of what I need to be to him is present and allow him to be multidimensional. But maybe this multi-dimensional thing that I'm trying to develop with him, it's informed by this transgenerational experience that I have been afforded because I've had a grandfather and a father, and now I am a father, and now I am trying to father my son. I think all of these different layers are creating a different level of sensitivity towards men being more than just hunters and gatherers. Maybe here's what I'm trying to say to those of you that are listening. I think it's hard to be a man. I think it's difficult uh, because in most spaces, men are not allowed to be themselves. They're not allowed to be multidimensional. They're not allowed to cry. They're not allowed to share. They're not al allowed to be vulnerable. Uh, and heaven forbid transparency. When those things show up uh, with men, we don't know what to do with it as a culture. But so far, and I'm hoping and praying, so far with my son, even though I'm not a perfect dad, there's a lot of good that I think that we have fostered with his relationship to me. And I'm hoping that for many more years, into his teenage years and maybe into his adult years, I want to be the type of father to him 
where he feels both the masculine side of me and the feminine side of me, and maybe both sides of me will help him to be a much more holistic person. Now, let me also say this as well, because I don't think that he'll ever get everything from me because I have my own deficiencies and my own brokenness. But I think whatever he gets from me, because I'm a part of his primary family, he'll be able to glean from other men because it takes a village to raise a child. And if we all kind of do our part within the home, and then we also by subset support other young men when they are out in the public and we share and we love and we nurture and we allow them to be themselves, which is inclusive of being close and cuddled, I feel like we might be able to develop a new kind of man. And whether or not my son chooses to get married or not is irrelevant, but I think it's important that he's both able to experience his male side and his feminine side without feeling that one side is weaker than the next. Food for thought, I think. My name is Andre Anderson, and I'm your host of this podcast, BSTL. Check me out on my webpage, bstl.ca, and maybe if you'd like to send a message to me, uh, you can send it, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this conversation. I may not have talked about all things, But maybe for these 25 minutes or so, I've tried to share with you my experience as a father, hoping that other men who have sons who are wondering, how can we do this thing? Maybe if we don't try to do it one way or the other way, but we do it both ways, we can create young men who become men who are more balanced in their approach to life. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you all next time.
It's my podcast. Change, change. Of course we're talking about change. Of course. Why not? So, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, too. Here's my podcast.